0: Yippee Kai motherfucker. Good trash genre cast. Listen to me! You look like a. What? Radioactive Cam Wasn't
1: what? supposed to be like a banana with a yeast infection. How did I come to this? Not again. I played Richard the Fair. Five curtain calls. There were five curtain calls. That was an actor once. Damn it, now look at me. Look at me! I can't go out there and I want to say that stupid line. One more turn. I got, I got shorts, every fucking color. I got designer T-shirts. Who cares about the goddamn dance chip? I do. I ordered your
2: corsage. It's an orchid. It was like twelve dollars. If it means anything now, I am so sorry.
1: I was never a very good practical joker.
2: So do you have any regrets?
1: Garfield, maybe.
2: Hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we do film studies type analysis on the films that you will never study in a film studies course. This week's film is Galaxy Quest, a documentary hosted by Neil deGrasse Tyson in which we find (laughs) out the (laughs) mysteries of the universe. Maybe not.
3: (laughs) Maybe not. Correct. That's correct. (laughs)
2: Oh my god. But we will not spoil at this point. First, we have to introduce the disembodied voices that you listen to through your generic multimedia playing device. Across the table, if you would, sir. My name is Dalton Stewart, and I was an actor once. Now look at me.
0: Look at me. I'm not going to get on the show, come up with a stupid intro line
2: one more time. Excellent. Thank you very, very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. To my
3: right, sir, if you would. I am Arthur Gordon. And we should get out of here before one of those things kills Dalton. Why? You got me there. Thank you very
2: much for that. To my left, ma'am, if you would.
4: I played Richard III. My name is Alexander Bohannon.
2: Thank you very much. Through five curtain calls.
4: Through five curtain calls, damn it!
2: My name is Nacelles, and you have saved all our lives! And I'm so <laughs> glad to uh, be talking uh, Galaxy Quest and to learn whether or not wormholes actually exist but we'll move into all of that in just a moment. We want to warn you dear listener, this is not a review show, it's an analysis show. Review shows avoid spoilers. We will also for just a few moments, we'll give a quick synopsis from the Voice of the Cinema and then we will move on into our uh, thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Before we get into that, we do want to make a note about last week's show in which um, our editor got a little happy with the censor sounds. Um, just because there was a <laughs> did not mean a word had <laughs> and uh we <fun laughs> will <be laughs> well. we do hope you to the Devil's Reject episode, and you get a hearty giggle from having heard all of that goodness. Yeah, he knows he's got
0: a fucking potty mouth. He's just
2: trying to cover (laughs) it up. And so, uh, let's begin now with that synopsis. Voice the cinema, Arthur Gordon, if you would, sir. The alumni cast of a space
3: opera television series have to play their roles as the real thing when an alien race needs their help. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon.
2: Let's begin with those thumbs-up, thumb down reviews. Miss Alexandra Bohannon, I ask you first.
4: I haven't seen this movie since I realized how popular it was in syndication. So, basically, 90s, 2000s, it was always on TV. Uh, It's a really good movie for syndication, just ironically, just like the Star Trek, which it's parodying. And I have to say that I was really astounded at how much I love this movie even more. I mean, I remember liking it as a kid. I'm like 12 or something, and it was a fun movie. You know, aliens, monsters, action. But now as an an adult, especially an adult of the nerdy persuasion, I have more of an affinity for this movie just because... I feel like this is some of the most nerd-positive messaging I've ever seen in, yes. in media. Unlike Big Bang Theory and other shows of their ilk where it's like, oh, we're talking about nerdy things and we make all these references and Doctor Who, and Nintendo 64, and blah 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 This is actually... And and those things are the butts of jokes with um, our, pro- our blonde protagonist, whatever her name is. We're following her and we're with her, laughing with her at the nerds. This is actually saying, look, guys, nerds... Nerds got a place, and they have a place, and they can even save the world if given the opportunity to not get too close into spoiler territory. And I think that's a wonderful positive message to say, because n- never did I feel in this movie that as, as, a, ner- as a nerd myself, not a, a Trek fan or a Star Wars fan, but someone who does enjoy these types of uh, fandoms and these types of uh, universes, I never felt like I was being made the butt of a joke. Even at the time they were at the convention, the people that were super passionate and super into dressing up and cosplaying and getting autographs and collecting signatures and merch and everything. Like, I never felt like they were the butts of jokes, either. And I thought that was a really <laughs> refreshing take on it. Well, retrospective refreshing, I suppose, yeah. um, compared to, to what we are experiencing in the media today. Um the rest of what I have to say about it, that the the actors themselves how like, a great cast. I mean, I was loving playing spot the actors. Just yes. like, oh, that guy and that guy and Rain Wilson and Enrico from all of the things he's been in. And I just couldn't believe all of the great cast they were able to get. Um, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I was so thankful they did um, practical effects on the aliens and, because yeah. they could have done the really crappy 99 CGI, like... They did yeah. for the spaceship, but that might have been a little too complicated. And the
0: little aliens. Yeah. Yeah. But Even the CGI they do use, they use it sparingly. Yeah. And the it's, creature it's design aged, is a lot. It's of aged fun.
2: fairly well. Yeah, yes. yeah.
4: The the little baby aliens weren't huh. super bad. And Alan
2: Rickman's makeup.
4: Oh, yeah. So, it's, yeah. Super
2: good. It yeah. never yeah. has it off the yeah. entire well, movie. Well, and, and then yeah. whenever
4: he loses his, uh, he's going ham at the end, like he has <laughs> his hair His through. hair is like ripped through the, the thing. Um, Gosh, I know the other guys I'm going to leave them something to talk about I just wanted to nail the points that really brought me To this film home hard Um, I would definitely give it 22 Sorry 22 Drunk Tim Allens with no pants on Out of a possible 24
2: Excellent, excellent I appreciate that rating in crazy ways Uh, Mr. (laughs) Dalton Stewart, what say you?
0: I had actually never seen this all the way through before. I've no, I know I've seen what? it. In bit, yeah, no, I know I've seen it in bits and pieces on television yeah. before, uh, but I never gotten around to watching it in its entirety. And it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, I laughed, which is what you're supposed to do during comedy. So correct. yes, correct. I guess that's all it's required. I watched it by myself, so I didn't laugh a lot. Yeah, I mean that'll definitely yeah, I impact your it by myself too. But I mean, you know, I chuckle a lot and. The cast is just solid gold. I mean, Alan Rickman, Tony Shalhoub, Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell, I, mean, I know Sam Rockwell <laughs> for, for days, dude. I my love of Sam Rockwell is well documented on yeah. this program, so we don't need to really get into that. Uh, but he's so great in this, uh, just from top to bottom. I, I, the film does something really well that I think is hard to do, and I really appreciate. I think it's something that Shaun of the Dead does, where it. It lampoons and uh, lovingly hugs yes. its subject material. I think totally. you think of things like Spaceballs, where it's just purely making fun of the subject matter, uh, with Shaun of the Dead and this, and, and no other examples are immediately coming to mind. But they they poke fun at, at you know their subject while also showing a great deal of affection for it, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's really great. The only thing that I would say is I'd like to see the darker version of this movie that apparently exists with more oh, swears yeah. and more violence and I, I think violence can be used really well to comedic effect And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit in my Elster instead um, But there's a lot right here uh, I, I think there's definitely more right than there is wrong I mean, it's it's got some pacing issues, some of the jokes fall flat But overall, I think it works really well um, I would give it six Sam Rockwell mustaches out of a possible nine <laughs> Well played, sir, thank you very much Well,
3: Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you? Uh, I'm just going to echo everybody else here because this was a blast. It was really just a good time uh, to be had. Um, I hadn't seen it in a long time either. Um, Probably several, several years. It had been a while. And I didn't remember it being that fun. Uh, But much like Alex was saying, I've become a lot more ingrained in pop culture and nerd culture and fandoms and things like that since... Uh, originally seeing it. So it, it does hit home a lot harder now.
0: At the uh, giant Trek conviction, conventions that they do, they, they rank the Star Wars movies, uh, is... and they've, they've included that in the rankings, and it's ranked fairly high, which I think is pretty funny. So they, it's, it's been very lovingly adopted by the Star Trek community.
3: I think it's a decent comedy, like Dalton was saying. It speaks a lot to fan culture, which has become a lot more mainstream since the movie came out. Uh, Comic-cons are becoming huge, uh, mainstream type of events now, uh, cosplaying is becoming a mainstream thing, and I think this movie kind of foreshadows that and it it, it develops that and builds a foundation for that to be a thing, um, and it it almost exists a little ahead of its time I think.
4: I agree. Like uh, I couldn't believe this movie was made in ninety nine. It? <laughs> yeah. yeah. it was ninety eight actually. Yeah.
3: It's probably yeah filmed in ninety eight. I think released in ninety nine. Was not 99. it?
0: Was, yeah. Oh, was it, it ninety nine release? Yes, okay. Sir. But yeah, I I agree, Alex, definitely.
3: Uh, I think the casting is perfect. Again, I'm going to echo everybody else. I love Rockwell, Rickman, Allen, uh, Weaver. The whole cast is just great. Um, they have a, they seem to be having a blast. They have great chemistry. Uh, I think the effects don't hold up great. Just I mean, they aren't super great. Like the baby aliens, you can, yeah, oh, it's very yeah. obvious. They they hold up well enough. But, but I think that really plays into the charm of the film and what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in its lampooning of Star Trek and what's going on there, and I think it just adds another layer. Uh, to the joke. all, I think this is just a good time to be had. I think it is very enjoyable. I would say I give it 35.6 villains named after film critics out of a possible 39. I do like the Andy Serres jab. It makes me
2: really happy. It is really
3: clever. It's good stuff.
2: Well,
0: Dustin Sells, what are your thoughts? This movie's
2: amazing. Are you stupid? I mean... <laughs> oh. You know, I mean, it's I like it. <laughs> yeah, you. Said you well, like no, just I mean, you know, I mean, this is one of those movies where, like, well, I mean, it, it is one of the most "duh" answers that we've probably ever come across uh, in the course of 125
1: I mean, this episodes. Is 125.
2: Into uh, into oh the my show, God. I know we've been doing this a long time. <laughs> oh and uh, no this movie is great uh, everything you guys said I totally agree with um, everyone is aces I will mention Sigourney Weaver since yes. uh, so she hasn't come up at this point she's yet she's so good in this she's brilliant and mm-hmm. she, I mean, so she's, funny. she's always brilliant
0: and spot on casting really yes. just yes. in terms of her, her place in science fiction yeah. history
4: yeah. Yeah. yeah it was great it and was I love nice the nod.
2: periodic uh, degradation of uniforms of both Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver yes, and, right. to, yeah. to, to play into that sort of 60s trope yeah. uh, for exploitative purposes and it's really 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 funny uh, It does pass my laugh test I laughed out loud More than six times I had my son with me As I watched this My oldest son He laughed out loud I think the whole movie Aww, I think the that's entire That's so That's great
4: Your son is a nerd And I love it
2: He's a good kid I'm <laughs> raising him right Little nerdlings Are what the world Needs more of
4: That's right
0: I think we've got
2: Too many big nerdlings At the moment Well there's something To that to be said as well But yeah, like it, like it very, very, very much. I give it 795 uh, awkward interspecies kisses, including tentacles, out of a possible 812.
4: Yeah, that went somewhere I didn't exactly
2: want to go. (laughs) Loved it, but it. it was
4: a fun moment.
2: Yeah. So, good times. Dear listener, now we are done doing our thumbs-up, thumbs-down review. Spoilers ahead. We will discover uh, the secrets of the Atom now as we look at this little documentary about space. And so you have now been warned. Let's bring the analysis I ask
3: you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Um, I want to just speak a little bit about Galaxy Quest and and the light that it's turning to fan culture and the different, uh, I guess, fandom people groups that it's kind of pointing out. And talking about <clears throat> um, It highlights several different people groups throughout the film First it looks at the celebrity aspect of fandom uh, Tim Allen's Nesmith is the celebrity who embraces the fandom uh, For these people attending these cons uh, For fans of the show He is a rock star He is a god among men And so he is, he is just living up this, this role that he had for a few short years And he is just kind of taking it to another level um, Then we also see the begrudging celebrities uh, mainly in Rickman's character um, who is a classically trained actor and he doesn't understand why he's doing this all the three time. Three curtain calls, Arthur.
4: What was it five?
2: five or was five, it five? Oh, it's a uh, prime Th- number. I knew that. Through five curtain Five calls.
4: questions. Three questions. <laughs> right.
2: One well, three, two, sir. five. Three, sir. <laughs> three! That.
3: But we have these celebrities who uh, they, they are classically trained. They're good actors uh, but they just can't seem to find any work and they're kind of constantly stuck being identified as their characters from the show uh, that they just held for just a few years and then we also have the pseudo celebrity uh, played by Sam Rockwell who is really just making a name off of the show that he was in rather than the character that he played he was crewman number six six uh, in episode 81 he uh, is his claim to fame where he red shirted it up in the episode I guess um, but uh, we have those three celebrity types being uh, kind of highlighted and pointed out and, and kind of picked at and um, and it's in, in its look at the celebrity aspect of fandom, uh, Galaxy Quest has a good time poking fun at the celebrity. Uh, it shows that for some celebrities, uh, the true joy of entertainment is why they do what they do. The actual entertaining of fans. It's not about a paycheck or, or the roles. It's just in entertaining people, which mm-hmm. is why a lot of celebrities usually initially first get into... Any type of entertainment.
2: That's why anybody does acting. I mean, or does any sort of public performance at all. I mean, there is an energy you get, you know, when you get in front of a crowd. I mean, I'm the same way. And it's it's absolutely addictive. It's it's, it's the best drug.
3: Yeah, getting laughs or or moving people emotionally is just, there's something powerful to that. And so for a lot of these these actors uh, that they're poking fun at, um, it's embracing that community that comes with the fandom for them. On the other side of the platform, Galaxy Quest looks at the fans themselves and again highlights several groups. Uh, early on we see a representation of the uh, N99 status quo society uh, The two men who enter the bathroom And make fun of the Galaxy Quest crew yeah. And if there's really any othering in the film It's probably these two guys Mm-mm. Who aren't anything like uh, Anybody else in any other movie or role Yeah, uh, They would be kind of the, the avatar for the viewer And they would be othering the nerds uh, However here they're kind of the other They don't dress up they don't partake. They're making fun of these guys that are considered heroes for many of the fans there. And so they are the first group that we encounter, kind of the status quo in 99. Uh, we then see the internet type of fans. These are the fans that are in the know. Uh, they've done research on the show. These are led by Justin Long's character. Uh, they show up, they invest in the mythos of the show or the, the fandom.
0: They have blueprints for a fictional ship.
3: Yeah. Um, these are the fans that just study and research every detail of that fandom Uh, Long's friends know all the scientific details of Galaxy Quest and are quick to question any logistical plot holes uh, that arise within the mythos however they understand that the show is just a show uh, but they get a deeper sense of engagement and community by becoming so invested in the goings-on of the show Uh, this is one of the key markers of fandom and what makes it so enticing uh, especially for people who aren't traditionally considered uh, maybe uh, societally normal or um, important Uh, It gives them a place to fit in to develop a culture that doesn't shame them or make fun of them and can also allow them to develop roles of superiority uh, that normally they wouldn't get to engage in. Uh, Fandom events also allow for fans to live out fantasies and dreams through cosplaying and interacting with celebrities uh, who have impacted them throughout their life. Uh, Galaxy Quest does seem to be having fun with these types, but... Uh, look at it now, 16 years after its release, and seeing how taboo fandoms have become more popular in society, uh, it also appear to be celebrating that culture. I think this movie, as Alex mentioned earlier, uh, goes very far in celebrating uh, the fandoms yeah. and the cultures there. Yeah.
4: I mean, the lampoons—they were there, obviously. I mean, but they were all very like. Oh, we can all laugh about this together because we know that guy. We know the one that makes like the weird half-ass closet cosplay and goes to the con and thinks he's great. And we know the guy that's gonna wait in line and pester our favorite star with like logistical questions about his character <laughs> and his motivation. We know all these people, but we love it. And We love that our people are being um, shown in on in a way that is such a, a positive interpretation instead of like the kind of. Snorting uh, Mean spirited Laugh at In Big Bang Theory
2: Well when that kid Is asking a very Very technical question About the operations Of the engine Of the ship And uh, you know And and Tim Allen um, Blows him off and it, it, it's done in such a way that I think is really brilliant because it's like, no, you really should have taken that kid serious. Yeah. Like that is the message there. Right. In. And that's yeah. fantastic.
4: Yeah. And considering the fact that Tim Allen probably, if he had not heard that bathroom conversation, he would have given that question his best shot.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like if he yeah. hadn't
4: have been othered by these, you know, quote, quote, normies – from, like, the outer world, you know, that don't know the fandom... <laughs> then we you other
2: non-nerds just now? <laughs> <laughs> what we do.
4: Well, they othered us first. Uh, that's, no, that's not how othering works. We shouldn't do that. Okay, that's so not positive. Sam
2: Rockwell, an eye for an eye will leave the whole world blind, unless there's one dude with just one eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: so that, I, I think that that's kind of a cool thing. I mean, Tim Allen's made to look like a jerk in that scene. The kid's not a jerk for asking the question.
3: Yeah. Um, and the other type of fans that are brought to the forefront are the ones who do take it way too serious and don't understand the difference between reality and fiction uh, these fans are represented by the Thermians uh, the Thermians don't understand why they're uh, that they're watching a show uh, mm-hmm. they understand these as historical documents uh, transmitted to their home planet uh, I think were,
0: Island was real <laughs> those poor people that's a great joke that's, that's a, a great right, that joke. is an amazing
2: amazing joke that is wonderful
0: Killed me. Yeah, yeah. It completely
2: caught me off guard. God help our civilization. <laughs> Whatever television program gets to some strange alien civilization, that does not have. Theater, Hopefully, they're getting the good ones. You know, and, and they all they get a hold of, they get
4: Game of Thrones, and they think that's what Earth is all about.
2: <laughs> I hope they. Well, get it there. kind they of think is. that's our ancient, our ancient history. Yeah. yeah. And or then,
4: how we are now or like, they're, they're like, gonna
3: get something like old school like Herman's Head and think we're well, all oh, like
4: Jetson. crazy
2: neurotic
3: they're gonna get the Jetson first and then they're gonna Game of Thrones and think we've regressed that's <laughs> what <laughs> <the whole
0: thing's laughs> happened oh that, that's what happened yeah well that's I mean we've got what, a one thousand years worth of uh, post-apocalyptic fiction floating around out there they'll get the road and uh, Mad Max uh, and think that's what happened <laughs> between things the Jetsons the squat.
4: <laughs> see yeah. that that was my one <laughs> <laughs>
0: We blew ourselves back to the Stone Age. You know, we have dragons and everything's awful. Yeah,
4: I'd be okay with dragons. Well, maybe I don't know. Um, no, no, that was my one, no, no. my one mind. little plot hiccup or issue with just the movie in general was just contemplating the third means. Yeah, they serve that kind of cool allegorical device you were talking about, but I was just wondering, like, they're an advanced society. And if they came to Earth and like looked around for like five minutes, they realized, wait, this isn't matching up. <laughs> this is up not at the all. place. <laughs> what yes. is this? Can but we I mean, I guess they're the just. Karma, please? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: they're, they're very naive though. Yeah, I, think yeah. I know they're innocent. Very the film does a good job of pointing that out. Right, the fact that they're, they're they're children.
4: Yeah, they're man, woman, <clears throat> children.
0: Yeah, they're they children. That's why they're getting their ass kicked by this alien, you know, warlord. Uh, because his people do have lies, and they do have theater and film. Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, it's a he understands
0: what a television show is. Yeah, yeah. immediately, um, and that's why they're getting their ass kicked by this guy because he knows how to lie.
4: Yeah, and that's why at the end that deception works. I mean, works so well on them. It's just like they're not really the
0: the emotional moment of um, mouth Enrico from Just Shoot Me. Oh, um, God! The reveal of that he was lied to it was really heartbreaking
4: yeah. that yeah. crushed me it's like me. telling
3: your child that their dog has died that yeah. was a Santa, Santa, Claus, Santa Claus
4: isn't, isn't real yeah. moment yeah. that's how my mom told me that Harry Potter wasn't real and we had a moment like that. <laughs> aww I was when, think about when Harry Potter came out I was really little no, it's, a, it's a book
2: Alex is a fetus I was the same age as you
4: but I had a wild imagination fair enough yeah so, no. And Hogwarts is
2: very tempting isn't hey, idea. this place. is a safe place. I don't For care what any of these people say. I wanted right. to be
0: an X-Man, so I guess that's fair. Oh,
3: yeah. heck yeah. I want to be Wolverine so bad. Right. Right. Just oh, so cool. Anyway. Uh, we digress. Um, but in my own fandom, these people are... These types of fans are the, the ones that are right... Uh, for the aping, and that's kind of what happens here in the movie, I think. Uh, As a fan of professional wrestling, uh, there have always been three types of fans. Casual fans, similar to the guys in the bathroom early on, who are in on the joke. They understand that the event is scripted. They play along, uh, but there's no real source of investment. They're just kind of there to see the car wreck as it is. They're there to see everybody else and kind of make it fun and make uh, fools of them. Um, Then you have what are called smarts or smart marks, uh, these are the fans who follow the inner workings of the business, keep up with all the different promotions, invest in certain ideologies of uh, which wrestlers should be pushed up the card and uh, overall take, in, take it a little too serious. You know, the from, inside baseball, as yeah, it were. Yeah, and this is the Justin Long of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, those types of fans. Um, and finally, you have what are called marks, and the term mark comes out of the carnival history of wrestling and refers to a person targeted to be the butt of a con job mm-hmm. or the butt of a joke, um, Marks are the fans who think everything is real. Uh, they're the stereotyped wrestling fan that a lot of people think of, uh, possibly redneck to some degree lower class. Uh, they cheer the good guy, they boo the bad guy, they'll throw trash, they'll yell or cuss the bad guys. And they are totally invested in the show, but they don't understand it is all scripted. And in Galaxy Quest, the Thermians are the marks. Uh, they are portrayed in much that same way, uh, very naive, very simple-minded, a bit childish, and maybe a bit too hopeful. Um, Galaxy Quest develops this idea that fandom is dependent upon a symbiotic relationship. Uh, that takes all types of types uh, It takes all different types of fans to make this work It takes the different celebrity types to make it work And for it to be a, a working community uh, It's a humbling show for celebrities Reminding them that they wouldn't be anywhere If it weren't for their paying audiences Who have invested in them It's also a real reality check for fans As it shows that it's fun to be engaged But we can't take these things too serious Or we may get into some odd situation. Outstanding, really excellent, like right
2: on Thank you, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what say you in terms of analysis?
0: Well, as Arthur mentioned, when we take these things too seriously, some some weird things happen. Uh, I I think the problem with the status quo of nerd culture is that nerd culture is far too much becoming like those two guys in the bathroom at the beginning of the movie. Uh, That childlike wonder, um, that sense of hope, and just pure joy of the thing you like and sharing the thing you like is gone and has been replaced with uh, a bunch of dildos, (laughs) frankly. Um, Because as Alex pointed out, um, nerd culture was othered first, and now that it's become super popular, nerds want to lord over everyone and say, we were here first, uh, and you have to prove that you're a real fan before we will accept you, and I think that's really fucked up. Um, Get over yourself, man. Um, it doesn't matter. There is something cool of having been, uh, on the ground floor uh, of the explosion of, of nerd things, of science fiction and superheroes at all in popular culture. There's something cool about having been on the ground floor of that. But, you know, you, there comes a point where you need to get over, um, your hangups and need to get over your persecution and, and show people a better time than you were shown, uh, and learn... You know, to treat others as you wouldn't want to be treated, frankly, uh, because there is too much in nerd culture of taking it too seriously. I think of Idris y- 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 Elba being cast as Heimdall, and yeah. just oh, you can't have a black guy play Norse god. Oh, yeah. <sharp> And and that's just a good example. I mean, there's hundreds of other examples. What we got to do, the Johnny Storm
3: being played by Michael B. Jordan. Yes. Back when Captain America was rumored, it was rumored Will Smith could take that role, and there was a lot of internet uproar about those characters.
4: Oh, that would a really interesting casting. I would have liked that. And I'm
0: not going to bother to dig into all those examples, because you're right, Arthur, there are tons. Yeah. A lot of it to do with rights-blind casting, portrayals of characters, origins, blah, 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 blah. People are taking it too seriously. Uh, At the end of the day, it is fiction, um, and although it brings you joy and happiness uh, and there is something to be gained from that communal experience, you need to let it go uh, at at a certain point and just accept the things you like are going to be adapted and those adaptations are going to stand on their own. Again, the, the problem comes when that othering occurs. When people try to put up walls and stand guard uh, in front of the things they like and say, no, we are the gatekeepers, and you will prove to us that you are a true fan before we accept you. Um, And I think that's a really serious problem because nerd stuff is in right now, Uh, and it's probably going to last for the next ten years. Uh, I don't foresee it lasting forever, because that would be silly. Um, But I can see it lasting another ten years, at least... Because Marvel and DC have, you know, playing movies for the next 10 years. Um, But eventually it's going to end. And honestly, I can't wait for it. Uh, because as much as I like all these comic book movies, I'm, I'm one of the few people I know that takes film very seriously and still gets excited about superhero films. I know Arthur, you do as well. Yeah, um, I Dustin, I know you don't really anymore. You've kind of got superhero a, I fatigue. got a little
2: superhero fatigue, but I, I mean, I get I mean, I yeah. had a great time watching Guardians of the Galaxy. Right? Yeah,
0: I, I know you've got a little bit more fatigue than I do. I I saw Avengers like Wednesday after it opened, which I God tell tell me that that I saw Avengers too five years ago, tell me I didn't see that opening day. Yeah. Be like, What? Why did yeah. I not see an opening day? Did somebody die? Yeah. Yeah. Um so I've gotten a little fatigue and, and I think it's important to to kind of distance yourself from the things you love a little bit and be able to step back from them and appreciate them as works of fiction, or appreciate them as entertainment. Um and just be happy that other people like them. Be happy that the thing you love made two hundred billion dollars or whatever. Just be or, you know, I'm using exaggerated numbers, obviously, just be excited, share the thing you love with other people. We should be more like the Thermians, we should be less like those two dildos in the bathroom. We should be more yeah. like the Thermians, we should be happy, we should be inspired, because at the end of the day, what fiction can do, be it Star Trek, or Star Wars, or the Marvel Universe, what it can do is show an eight-year-old a way of looking at the world, show them something they hadn't considered, and show them a way to be inspired that's honestly going to connect with them far more than any stuffy old religion it's going to show them heroes of of our era and show them a way to lead a good life i was taught how to be a good person by luke skywalker Mm -hmm. you know yeah at the end of the day a lot of this stuff is for children and it's it's to show and the thermians represent that it is to show them a better way of being and that's, you know, fiction as a whole, but particularly for this conversation, nerd popular culture, nerd fiction, should stand as a beacon of of, of hope and, you know, success. And I, I'm drumming the Tomorrowland drum a little bit somehow. Um, this is basically the thesis of Tomorrowland, is we need more optimism, which it's very ham-fisted about that thesis. Um, but I, I think that's a good message for children growing up today, because the world's kind of a bummer right now. Uh, And I think kids could use a little bit more of that, especially when the things they love are also loved by a bunch of 28-year-old mouth breathers who uh, can't help but throwing uh, racial uh, slurs at people.
4: Right. And uh, going back to Arthur's wrestling analogy, I'm sure most of you guys having done wrestling can or watched it can jump in on this too. It's kind of interesting to uh, think about that. Optimism and realize The importance of having that Thermian like um, like Innocence and naivete Because we In using wrestling terms we live in a world Where the kayfabe is Of, of reality is just kind of it, it, it doesn't it re- doesn't really hold up, you know what I mean? We're, we live in the reality era. We can go find our favorite wrestlers. We can find our favorite actors who play heroes or villains or whatever on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and we can learn all about them. We can know know all their sordid secrets and their dirty laundry. And because of that, it, it can really co- color over our our eyes and and kind of color the stories that they're telling. And it really does kind of kill some of that optimism. Um, and knowing all the dirty the dirty things behind everything that used to give us just hope because we took it on face value, um, that's kind of, I don't know, it's a little misplaced. Well, that's a good point. Not to say that we shouldn't be uh, critical thinkers about the things that are presented to us and in, in constantly... Um, think about the kinds of stories we're getting and maybe the backstories behind why we're getting these stories at this time. I mean, I don't want to live in this false utopian society, but there, I feel like we have done a bit of an overcorrection.
0: The, the business of how these superhero movies get made, I find infinitely fascinating. I, I find the business very fascinating. Um, but you're right, Alex. I think there is something to be said for stepping back to that simpler time and just liking the things we like and being excited that other people like the things we like and not being... These weird, douchey gatekeepers who don't know how what a razor is um, and just growing unpleasant facial hair uh, and just mm-hmm. shouting at people that know you can't join our club.
2: They live in their mother's basement and they have a blog.
0: And yeah.
4: fedoras are included. Yeah, I just, I
0: don't, and I'm not i am not trying to, and now we're kind of harping on stereotypes. Sorry. and I, I started it. <laughs> um,
1: well, we uh, jumped right on it. Uh, yeah, we? you did.
0: But, you know, not not to, to bang any, uh, you know, not to to punch downward or anything i just i think we need to take a step back sometimes and and be more like the thermians and and go back to a time where these things were purely inspirational because at its best like i said fiction is just that it is inspirational it tells you something about the human experience that had not otherwise occurred to you until lightsabers got involved Uh, and you learned a little something about the world and you learned a little something about yourself and I, i think galaxy quest speaks to that very well um you know that we should find the joy uh, in our life and find the joy in our fiction and, and carry that into the world with us and be messengers of a better tomorrow. Dustin, what do you think about Galaxy Quest, bud?
2: Well, I'm glad you said um, a lot of the things that you did say, Dalton, because what I'm going to do, and, and as, as many long-time listeners may know, uh, a lot of my academic interests uh, touch into the, to the idea of surrealism, and this is in no way... A surrealist film. Oh, but,
1: uh,
2: but it is. But he wants to talk about that, so we can talk about
0: something else. No, wow. no, no, not at all. Because I know that, that technical Frenching is a little
2: surreal. Well, maybe a little bit, but it is definitely part uh, and parcel of some surrealist practice. You know, what the surrealists were really trying to do is to uh, to integrate the unconscious mind with the conscious mind, the dream reality with our, our lived out physical realities, and what this film does is something very, very similar. There is sort of a real world inside this film Mm -hmm. and then there is uh, also a a fake false cinematic world there are ways in which that False world impinges upon, penetrates, and influences that world in which you know we have the, the Thermians who, who believe it all together. We have the cast the, and the crew who don't believe in it at all. And the conclusion that the film makes is, is you need to be somewhere in the middle where these things are what they are, but that doesn't mean that they're not true. There's a thing I say a lot of times about stories in general, and I think your point to story, Dalton, is, is very well taken, is pretty much without exception. All stories are true, whether they happened or not. Well,
0: that's right. a little bit of that, that Campbellian school, right? Yeah,
2: absolutely it is. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think, again, the interface of surrealism here is very helpful. Well, and
0: that's, that's a little bit what I was touching on, on that you know the idea of the monomyth. You know, everything's true because it speaks to the human experience. And that's, I think, a little bit of what I was getting at.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And, I, and it seems to me that what we find here is a very, very fundamental human need to, to find ways to be human, to wrestle with what it means to be who we are. As human beings who live and who eventually die. And it seems that stories are the way by which we're able to do that. Now, it, again, uh, the Thermians find a way to live with honor and to live with dignity and with uh, respect and loyalty in ways that were taught to them by the Galaxy Quest television show as uh, as Dalton mentioned about learning how to be a good guy from Luke Skywalker. Very, very similar sort of thing. And at the other end of it, we have uh, this very, very jaded Tim Allen character, Alan rickman and Sigourney Weaver character especially, who are um, distanced from uh, the story that they were participants in and to a great degree, they are less human, and what ends up happening throughout the course of the film is that they go ahead and participate in that story, and Tim Allen learns how to care for others and actually practice loyalty. Uh, other characters learn how to really, truly practice heroism. There is so much pathos in that moment where one of the Thermians dies in the arms of Alan Rickman. Oh, God. And he says, by Rothgar's hammer, I will avenge you. And I cried I at mean, whatever it was. Throw yards. Yeah. I thought it was a hammer. I thought
0: it was definitely a hammer. It a hammer.
2: And by the sons of, you know, Tatooine. Yeah, the the, the or, war vans, yeah.
4: Uh, 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 yeah. It's
0: so, yeah, it's a powerful moment. Yeah. And, um,
4: and
2: Alan Rickman sells the shit out of it. And I cried.
4: Yes. I, mean, yes. I, I am not <laughs> going to
2: lie. I cried in that moment. Me too. And what was crazy was I watched an alien, or a human pretending to be an alien, with a uh, who was pretending, pretending, to pretending to be a human, a human. Uh, with a, a human pretending to be an alien in a TV or a film rather that's about a false, fake TV show that doesn't even actually exist. There's like three different levels of. Also. Oh, 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 of of reality that we're dealing with here and i somehow learned in that moment how better to be a human how better to care for those around me and to uh you know make sure i do all that's in my power to see that people die with dignity and i do everything within my power to protect those who can't protect themselves i think it's, it's massively powerful yeah. uh, in that way and and so what i want to say is cinema is magic, and this is something that the Surrealists said all the time that it is absolutely a magical dreamlike experience, but that doesn't mean it's not real, of course none of it happened these are all people pretending or lying Uh, Neil Gaiman's got a line in uh, in his uh, Sandman series uh, where uh, a false character called Erasmus Fry says, all writers are liars and it's absolutely true, but it doesn't mean that they don't speak the truth when they lie
0: well what is it that Werner Herzog says? a static truth I think, is is that phrase he uses when he's talking about, you know, kind of fudging the facts or manipulating the facts when he does documentary filmmaking. Mm. It's not necessarily about what is actually true. It's about the the truth of the moment or the truth of the experience, that kind of thing. The gist, I think,
2: is to lie to tell the truth.
0: Exactly, is what uh, Herzog always kind of gets at It says about it.
4: Yeah, and and that's unfortunately in that, that heartbreaking scene with the Thermian chief that he, because fiction doesn't exist in his world that that nuance there is is totally lost on him and it's really and that's what makes that such a a terrible uh, moment like a heartbreaking moment is because he doesn't have any standard to hold up to that because to him what we've been saying my m- Everything I've said is lies, because my message, therefore, is lies. Every value I've portrayed is lies. Lies. I don't believe any of this. And, and we know, as human beings that have this kind of medium, we know that that's not what they're saying when they say that. Because what they're portraying is facets of the human experience. They're part of our mythos. It's part of what it is to be alive. And... You know, that is a good growth moment for the Thermians, realizing that you can tell stories. Maybe they're going to go back to their home world and have like a more of a robust storytelling culture because not everything is, you know, black and white, binary, truth, lies. It's there's a lot of lot of gray in the middle there. And that's where we learn the most about the human experience, I'd say.
2: And, you know, I have these conversations about uh, investing my life as I have in the study of film as in it is just fiction. They are sort of just stories, and there is so much going on in the real world. And I think there is a real danger of getting so tied up in the stories that you fail to participate in real society. Absolutely. But I think there's also perhaps a greater danger of participating in the greater society without ever having penetrated story and really having allowed those things to work themselves upon. On you. Mm -hmm. And when you fail to do that, you may indeed participate in all 100% solely human existence and fail utterly at being a human. And uh, I, 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 I feel like that is a real danger. And so I guess this is my moment to say. What we do is worthwhile, and this is my moment to say I'm not wasting my time here in Dalton's apartment around a microphone talking about Galaxy Quest, is because of just this sort of thing, is that this uh, layers of reality, when we start thinking about it, we have to peel back our own minds But go, you know, we all exist in layers of reality. We all have hopes, dreams, and desires. We all have sort of narratives and stories that we tell ourselves that people have told us, people who have lied to us to our harm, people who have encouraged us to be better than the actual truth of ourselves, and we've lived up to it. And these things things are mighty and powerful and part of a discipline that we as human beings can practice in our life is to go to the cinema and watch false fake humans to learn how to be real humans. And so double dog dare to give a shot to that dear listener. And that's the analysis I would bring
4: today. It's great.
2: All right gang, well thank you very much for that analysis. We have to determine whether Galaxy Quest belongs on the shelf or on the, or in the trash. And then what else or instead we would watch? I ask you first,
3: Mr. Arthur Gordon. I'm going to say shelf it. I, I think it is just a lot of fun to be had. And it's cheap. Uh, you can pick this up for a couple bucks used or probably five. Five is probably the most you would pay for this anywhere you go. If they have um, a
4: Blu-ray, it'd be $5. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's,
3: it's cheap. It's all... all It's cheap as you can get. Um, And so I say definitely pick it up. I think it's fun. Uh, with this, I say you'd watch the Peg Frost Sans, I right uh, a road trip sci fi comedy Paul, uh, which kind of plays on some of these same yeah. ideas and motifs. I also say, uh, I think watch Men in Black, which pairs well oh, here. Yeah. Would be a lot of fun with this. Yeah. Especially some of that creature design and the comedy. I think it works really well together. Um, check out Alien, uh, just for Sigourney Weaver. Um, you should
0: always check out Alien. It's just check out our episode over
3: aliens. Yeah. Do both of those things because it's uh, fun. And then check out Toy Story, where uh, Tim Allen plays the computerized version of uh, Jason Nesmith as Buzz Lightyear. I was thinking about that like the whole movie. Is,
4: oh man, the mind whole movie I kept blown. blown. That's fantastic.
0: I, I couldn't not think about him as Buzz Lightyear yeah. the entire Especially movie. the
3: delivery of Never Give Up, Never Surrender. Yes, yeah.
0: It sounds exact. It's the same it's delivery as to, as to Infinity and Beyond. Yeah, yeah. it's really funny.
3: Um,. And then for another interesting look at fan culture, at they check out the documentary Best Worst Movie and check out our episode over said documentary in which uh, they discuss uh, the cult following of Troll 2 um, and kind of how that all works. And it, it, it goes more into that. Uh, those celebrities who were hot one day and then not the next and that, that life they try to live uh, on the con circuit. And it's just a very interesting uh, documentary overall. And then I think A Good Time will be had by all... Uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart What would you say Shelf trash Else or instead You know I said I like this And
0: I do But I I really am Trying to be A little bit
3: You know
0: You know I'm I'm trying to be A little bit more Leery um, Conservative With my shelving lately I I think too often um, We shelf a movie Because it's perfectly fine uh, And there's nothing Wrong with it Yeah I'm not going to say trash, because I think this movie is a lot of fun. You definitely don't need to own it, though. It is streaming on Netflix. If it ever goes off of Netflix, no, I'm not going to recommend you buy it. You know, I don't think you have to own this movie. I don't think you're going to waste your time if you watch it, but I definitely don't think you have to have it. Um, so, there you go. Things that I think you might actually want to own, though, um... I would say Tropic Thunder, which I think. Uh, oh, I wow, that's good. I, I mentioned um, during our review segment uh, a little bit about um, how violence can be used to comedic effect. I think Tropic Thunder does that amazingly well. Yeah. And I think it also does a very good job of lampooning Hollywood. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Galaxy Quest touches on lampooning the business a little bit, uh, but I think Tropic Thunder really goes full on with that. And it does play a little bit with the idea of the actors getting stuck in the real-life situation that they were lampooning. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. So, or not lampooning, portraying, rather. Right. Um, But I, I, Trump Thunder is such a funny movie. Uh, I actually own it. Uh, as one of the few movies I do own. I I think it's, I think it's comedy gold. I think it, I think, you know, 20 years from now it's going to be a comedy people go back to and revisit and it's going to continue to uh, develop a following years on, you know. Yeah. Like many of the comedies of the 80s have done. I think that movie's going to continue to have mileage because it does do something that is timeless, and it is that, that lampooning of Hollywood, that, that world that people who go see a lot of movies know a little bit about, uh, and the people that you know, only go to the movies twice a year don't really know a lot about. Uh, people who don't follow the business that much don't, don't really know much about. Uh, and I think it shines a light on just how ridiculous and absurd that culture can be. Um, also, anything Sam Rockwell. Literally anything. Man. Absolutely anything. Uh, specifically in this case, I'm going to say Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because it's a science fiction comedy and Sam Rockwell is in it. Once again, literally anything with Sam
2: Rockwell you should watch. It. Period. Yeah. yeah. Well played, sir. Thank you very much. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what do you say? Shove or trash elsewhere instead.
4: Well, um, I'm usually pretty conservative with my shelfings because I don't personally own a lot of movies. The movies that I own, I'm just like, I know that I will want to watch this over and over again. I currently don't own Galaxy Quest, and I'm definitely wanting to pick it up. I think this is an entirely shelfable film. Um, I feel like, with the caveat of... You know, it'd be helpful if you really are into, you know, this kind of nerd conversation we've been having the whole time. That's that's usually pretty helpful. Um, you, if you like this all-star cast, like any of them, like, I would say shelf this film. Um, I would say for other recommendations, besides the ones that most hit on almost all of my um, recommendations for my else's, I would also encourage... Um, Three Amigos, which is a similar (laughs) perspective on, you know, uh, three actors get stuck in this situation that they were trying to um, portray in film with uh, Steve Martin. Um, And then, yeah, definitely Hitchhiker's Guide. Of course, Star Trek, Hello, like any of it, all of it, would go well with this. Um, And now I am thinking of Alec Baldwin as the kind of uh, Kirk character I just can't stop and that, that would have been really good. So, if you want to see more Alec Baldwin, you can watch 30 Rock. How about that? Anyway, you. Um, <laughs> here you go. Uh, Dustin, what would you like to uh, say about Galaxy Quest?
2: I'm a, I, you know, I am probably less conservative than you lot uh, with regard to our shelving and trashing. Uh, perhaps in other ways as well. And uh, I am going to go ahead and say... That uh, I put on the shelf. I, I think this movie is definitely shelfable. I think this is this is cinematic goal. I mean, it's probably cinephiles only. I'm not talking about sort of the casual film watcher. But you're listening to a film podcast, and uh, knowing that you're probably into owning movies, that's a good point. And uh, so I would say, go ahead and get this one picked up because it is really, really good,
4: and it'd be so cheap,
2: right? Um, I also want to recommend your um um and. L- Elsa's, yes. I I couldn't remember what worked with Shelf. Elsa instead (laughs) for a moment there. Uh, Your Elsa's And I'm going to do some uh, cinematic antecedents to this sort of thing, what what started the whole Star Trek craze before there was Star Trek. And so look at Mario Bava's The Planet of the Vampires and also uh, Leslie Nielsen, a young Leslie Nielsen, in uh, 1958's Forbidden Planet. Both films are in full Technicolor glory, uh, but you have the ship, you have the crew, you have uh, strange alien races and exploring the galaxy to find uh, new lands and new civilizations and it's wonderful it's absolutely great and and there you see where the formula was and the code was sort of cracked and uh, I think it's a good time to be had by all there, but dear listener we would like to know what you think, Shell for Trash elsewhere instead, with regard to Galaxy Quest and also we'd like to hear all the rest of your possible feedback And the way in which you could do that is via that magical means that we all know as social media. Arthur Gordon, do you know anything
3: else or know anything about those social media means by which conversations could be held? I most certainly do, Mr. Sells. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash good trash on the cast. One word. Uh, We have a new like this week. We have some uh, shares and things of that nature, and uh, we would like more discussion, so chime in. I know some of you probably aren't even seeing those posts because Facebook is stupid, Uh, in that regard. Uh, But if you do see those posts, then definitely engage with them and talk to us because it is fodder for the show. We like that. And it's less we have to do on our our end. Uh, Also, you can check us out on uh, Google+. Plus. Uh, You can plus one us there or follow us or whatever you do over there. I'm not quite sure yet. Um, And also, you can email us at goodtrashgenrecast at uh, gmail.com. Let us know what you think about us and uh, let us have it because we like either positive or negative criticism because it's fun. Either way Strangely, like a great many bands um, Who have
2: claims to fame And yet they're quite small um, We're really big in Europe, it turns out Yeah And, and, and I'm thinking most of our UK uh, listeners Are finding us through Google Plus And again, UK listeners We would love to hear from you And we want to know How did you get here?
0: I always tell people we're like Bill Hicks we're huge in the UK, and we really
3: are. I mean, yeah. we're, 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 we're bigger and in, great it's, probably than to, in the it's probably a two to th- or three to one ratio. Eighty-five
2: percent of all listens yeah. are coming out of there right now, yeah. and uh, th- I mean, we're we're doing okay. We had a great month as a show. We had over three thousand listens. I, I
0: I really think what it is, uh, it, it's like it's a, the uh, the it's the accent effect. Everything sounds smarter in a British accent when you're in the states. Uh, I think everything sounds folksier. I guess um, more down home wisdom. Because uh, it definitely doesn't sound smarter um, coming from us. That's that's what I attribute it yeah. to. I don't know. I could be wrong. We're like the elderly southern grandpa who gives you
3: life advice. Exactly. That's who we are.
0: My elderly southern grandfather has given me a lot of wonderful
3: life advice in very dulcet tones. I'm sure.
0: Well, dulcet? My, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> he's kind of got an interesting. He's got an interesting cadence. Yeah. <laughs>
3: But that's what I have for you.
2: Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. There is yet one other social media means by which conversations can be held, but I've forgotten everything about it. Dalton? Is there something you know about that? What is this thing? I mean, it serves no useful
0: purpose to only be able to communicate in 140 characters at a time. No, I mean, it just. We shouldn't have to do this. It, it doesn't make any sense. Why is it here? That's Twitter, ladies and gentlemen You can find us on Twitter At good underscore trash Thank you Sigourney Weaver For that wonderful line reading Of the stupid, dumb, crunchy things In the middle of the ship Because all spaceships have Random, dumb shit You've got to get around Every science fiction movie Where they have to go fix part of the ship They have to go through A literal obstacle course
2: When Simon Pegg is going through the tube In the new Star Trek reboot Yeah There's like a a chopper is just there to chop Scotty. The only reason why it's there is because Scotty <laughs> will be there eventually, and it will chop him up unless uh, Kurt can let him loose. It's, there's no reason for it at all.
0: It makes no sense. It's fantastic. I love it. Uh, so we are on Twitter uh, once again. That is at Good Underscore Trash. Any
2: feedback coming in from there, Dalton? Yeah, we
0: had one person, Caleb Masters, friend of the show and former uh, get frequent guest host. That's at Big Cal ninety one on Twitter. He wrote in, responded. Wait. Do you think Do you he think means a little Ben Kenobi? Kenobi? Oh, God, it's been a while. It's been a while. Thank you, Arthur. Uh, he wrote in. He, he re- answered the call to your question, Dustin. He says, Zombies, anger, and brutality is somewhat more acceptable in music than in film. White zombie better than solo White zombie better than solo zombie better than filmmaker zombie. So answering our question that uh, you proposed at the end of uh, our Devil's Reject show last week.
2: Alright, well there is an opinion That's what that is <laughs> We did not express ours, we made a point not to And uh, I guess we did promise to weigh in though Did we? I, if, if we got did feedback we? I, did, we, did we or did we? I think we need at least one more feedback Yeah, no.
3: but here's, I'll, I'll throw my, my Two cents out there I've seen more zombie films than I've listened to zombie music That's fair And the only zombie music I know is From professional wrestling so I know who he is before I knew that but the only music I've listened to him uh, he had written the theme song for uh, WWE Superstar Edge uh, which is very catchy and I like the sound but I never went out of my way to listen to other zombie stuff and I've went out of my way to see zombie no that's a lie I've wanted it as a uh, signed task. I'm pretty man this whole zombie thing
4: I have zero opinion on Rob Zombie just, just because I, I guess it's just you and me, bud. Yeah, like I don't, I don't listen to music. I the movies <laughs> are not super enjoyable for me, so I'm just like, oh, okay. Well,
2: it's too built up at this point. We might as well go ahead and handle yeah, it. Yeah, let's here. go ahead and do it. You first. Okay, well, I would say is I've listened to tons of zombie music. And I like White Zombie the band better than Rob by himself. I think that that earlier sort of energy and creativity... Yeah, Thunder Kiss
0: 65 is a fucking great rock and roll track. Absolutely.
2: I, and I think he is absolutely a rock and roll god as far as innovating and moving forward uh, metal at that time in which he came forward. I would say as far as filmmaking goes... I love his aesthetics But he has narrative problems What Zombie needs to do Is to get a writing collaborator yeah. oh, that's and, good. and then direct that stuff Is what needs to happen I now. would
0: echo a lot of what you've said I, I really think Lords of Salem Is An amazing horror film uh, No hyperbole there whatsoever I think it's fabulous um, It does everything I love For horror movies to do Um, If you like The Babadook If you like The House of the Devil um, If you Ty West in general Adam Wingard in general I think you'll really Dig Lords of Salem That being said I think that's his only film That's really Worth Championing Um, So I'm gonna go Music Zombie as well Um, I don't really have An opinion On the I mentioned this On the show last week I, I think White Zombie Versus Solo Zombie Is the same uh particularly early solo zombie not later solo zombie later solo zombies kind of shitty honestly you could tell he was thinking more about his film career anything he released after the house of a thousand corpses i don't really think you need to bother with uh but more human than human that's a great track um i honestly don't think i've listened to a single album all the way through from start to finish ever I've listened to a lot of bits and pieces but yeah i'm, I'm gonna go with you dustin I'm, I'm music zombie over film zombie um For now, and I think it's possible. I mean, I I think he actually can be better. I think Lords of Salem has laid the groundwork for a very promising film career to come. Uh, I I think Thousand Corpses, Rejects, I think that was kind of the Halloween remake and sequel. I think those were kind of getting the hang of filmmaking, honestly. I haven't seen either of those Halloween films, so I don't really know. They're all right. But But Lords of Salem, I think, is something special.
3: And with those earlier works, I think that was a lot more of his homage and his love letter to the movies that he grew up loving I think Lord of Satan plays on his own creative work to try something new to, and go forward
2: and to, to conclude this little uh, this tangent that we're, we're discussing right now is that this is an unfair comparison this is sort of an out of bounds comparison but I would point out that one brilliant film director Mr. Alfred Hitchcock never wrote the screenplay for any of his films oh, he had a brilliant visual imagination yeah. But he needed the bones of the story to be laid out there by yeah. somebody else. And I, I
0: think I'm, I'm trying to think. of Sc- Scorsese, I don't think he has ever written. I think he might have. He helps write. I think. I think he might have a couple of like co-writers credits, yeah. but I know he's not. He's never been the solely credited um, screenwriter. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, mm-hmm. I mean,
4: part of under becoming a creative person is knowing when to collaborate and how to collaborate. And you know, some people are strong in some departments that others can really yeah. lift up and help make better.
0: Some screenwriters are, are not... Good. There are plenty of screenwriters that have, you know, cut their teeth writing screenplays and have tried to transition to directing and did a really piss-poor job, to be honest. Uh, ditto for cinematographers. Just because you've got a great eye doesn't mean you can yeah. corral a film production. doesn't mean yeah. you can shepherd an entire project. Um, so yeah, I you know, know what you're good at. And I, I think you're right. I think Zombie would definitely benefit from having
2: a writing partner. Now he's a fine director. I think he's a really good director. But Absolutely. But not, not a great screenwriter. So there you go, dear listener. Um, now you know what we think. Thanks for giving feedback. When we get that feedback, we will respond. And that's why we value it so much. But enough of this foolishness. It's time to play the game.
1: Time to play the game. Time to play the game.
2: So, this week's game is our dream cinematic film or, Excuse me This week's game, our dream cinematic starship crew uh, That's right, cinematic dream starship crew Brought to you by Galaxy Quest
0: Galaxy Quest, I do not want Tony Shaloub to be in charge of anything
4: <laughs> I agree No
0: offense Mr.
2: Shaloub. <laughs> I don't want Shaloub's character For sure I guess that's fair uh, Thank you very much for that Mr. Dalton Stewart this is an expansion of a game that we've already played once on our Planet of the Apes episode, which is actually a quite good episode, and I do challenge you and encourage you. I think you one of
0: listener. us listed as our favorite episode from that year. Maybe me. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I know I lot mentioned it as an honorable mention. Yeah. I think it's a great episode. It's, it's a
2: really good show. and it's one of Caleb's last shows. We picked captains uh, for that particular show. We're going to assume in this game that each of us are already the captain of our own vessels. We are Invictus, and we are the captains of our ship, and we are the... Uh, Destiners of our own fates And now we are picking a band of brothers And or sisters, perhaps just sisters That are going to uh, (laughs) travel with us Through the stars uh, In our um, fictitious Space shuttles I ask you first, Mr.
3: Arthur Gordon I would say For my first mate, for the Spock-centric role uh, I would want David Levinson Played by Jeff Goldblum From Independence Day To sit at my right hand uh, So that we could... um, help, uh, we've got to uh, a life finds a way and we've got to give a virus to the uh, to the aliens and so I want Jeff Goldblum right there beside me uh, for communications, I want TARS uh, from Interstellar uh, the lovable robot of Christopher Nolan's Interstellar, uh, it would just be a lot of fun, uh, on my weapons uh, panel, I want uh, Sarah Connor played by Linda Hamilton uh, to be handling any warlike engagements that we come across because she's, she's just bad Mm-hmm. She's, she's tough as nails and you gotta love her uh, engineering um, I want Scotty but I want Simon Pegg Scotty uh, because he is just he is gold in the Star Trek films and he's just gold as an engineer I believe medical I want that machine from P- Prometheus that can fix anything uh, that cuts a baby out of uh, Numi Ray Paz uh, so I want that machine on my medical team la- leading that up no, and,
1: no,
2: no real doctor at all only yeah, yeah, this technology I want, my,
3: I want my life to be put into the hands of a robot and hope for the best and finally, uh, piloting my ship, I want none other than Luke Skywalker uh, behind behind the wheel, driving bad boy. So that's that's the crew I would assemble. There we go, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Who would you uh, put on your bridge?
0: Well, obviously, I want my first mate to be the captain that taught me what it means to be a captain. And uh, would you? I'm, sorry, I'm out on this game. Okay. Obviously, for my captain, I want the uh, the person that taught me how to be a captain. That's Malcolm Reynolds, captain of the Serenity. Um, hopefully he can handle being a first mate I think he can, he's a team player But, uh, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better first mate Let's be honest Really, I could have just said the crew of the serenity And been done with it But I went ahead and played the game for you, Arthur I did, because you came up with a good game and I liked it Communications, I want John McClain Doesn't know a lot about being in space But knows a lot about pissing off bad guys <laughs> <laughs> Little uh, Alan Rickman tie-in there for you <laughs> Uh, in charge of weapons. It's really funny, you said Linda Hamill. I thought about Lin- Linda Hamill and the T-800, both. I thought about both of them. Yeah. And really, they, they could handle the job perfectly together. Linda Hamilton knows... Oops, Sarah Connor knows how to squirrel away an entire arsenal of, <laughs> of firepower just everywhere, yeah. somehow. So yeah, that would be, be. great. Um, <clears throat> also for communications, honorable mention, um, Maya, played by Jessica Chastain in Zero Dark Thirty, who really is doing her, uh, who should have been Sarah Connor in this reboot, I think, um, because she's playing such a badass in that movie. And there's a shot uh, right in there that um, Catherine Bigelow does that is so reminiscent of a shot that James Cameron did in Terminator 2. I I almost wonder if it was intentional because there's a very reflexive shot. And also she's a CIA um, analyst, so I think she would be able to handle comms pretty well. Uh, Engineers, I just want the Mythbusters. All of them that's They're real engineers <laughs> <laughs> They know what they're well doing Well played I just want very, all of them Very, very well played Medical I want Bishop From Aliens um, He's a robot So he's programmed With uh, all of human anatomy And he's kind of lighthearted. And you need a doctor That's going to make you feel okay About getting poked at <laughs> that's Pilot fair. I want Han Solo baby That's right
3: Yeah He was my other but I didn't know if he would be a team player yeah, Well, no, he wouldn't
0: <laughs> Return of the Jedi Han Not uh, A New Hope Han That's fair
2: Excellently played, well played, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, who's on your crew?
4: Well, um, as I am the captain, my first mate is going to be Benedict Cumberbatch, as is his role of Sherlock and Sherlock. Just because <laughs> I can use some dry, witty, at-my-expense humor. Um, very
2: spocky. Yes, yeah. he's yeah, he
4: super spocky. And, and, um, and he's kind of
2: easy on the eyes.
4: Uh, and you very def- much you
0: definitely, so. If you're going to pick Cumberbatch, you want him as Sherlock and not as...
4: Gun. Yeah,
2: definitely. not. Yeah, then you have a mutant. You can't
1: mutants. trust that motherfucker. Right? No
4: <laughs> way. Yeah. So, um, as my communications, I've I've noticed some similar themes in all of our picks. I want Simon Pegg as Gary King from. <laughs> <Game>. <laughs> Because I want him to tell all the aliens to go fuck themselves. Yeah, that of course. Be, I mean, because that would be Brilliant. pretty, pretty great. Um, we're here to he get loaded be, and
0: have a good time, right? He would
4: be a joy to have on my ship. We would have a pub just for Gary King.
3: Um, <laughs> Alan Rickman's live. Sorry, Alan Rickman's live. I'm gonna go find a pub. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Really> great. <laughs>
4: That's Perfect. great. Um, for my medical detail, I'm gonna have Hugh Laurie playing his autonomous, not autonomous, his nefarious. No. Um, eponymous Eponymous Roll Gregory House House MD um, I could not imagine A better person Being my medical detail More <laughs> wry, Witty Definitely um, with have at Some biology Under
2: <laughs> his belt Yes, yes. Well played
4: um, My weapons expert Arnold You know Why
0: else <laughs> all, all Arnold All of Arnold Dutch from Predator? I mean, that's what yeah. hasn't yeah. been mentioned. Yeah, I yeah.
4: mean, young... I have the
2: proton torpedo This is probably going to be an Arnold
4: clone so I can have young Arnold in space with me forever. That's why
2: I said Robo Arnold. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Also because he's easy on the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yes!
4: Um, for my engineer, I he would... He does
2: even lift, bro. Yeah, as
4: my engineer, I'd love to have... Um, David Tennant reprising his role of Twelfth Doctor because I know he would be able to give my um, wibbly wobbly timey wimey things some some attention. Um, in,
0: in I don't want uh, anybody who doesn't know how to pick up a gun. I'm sorry, the Doctor <laughs> Sonic screwdrivers yeah, for pussies.
4: <laughs> he gets Sonic you to death. Okay. I said
0: it. I said it. Yahoovians. I don't give a shit about the Doctor.
4: <laughs> uh, and um, and then fi- finally for my pilot, I want Lavar Burton. Um, I can't remember his. Jordy Rainbow.
0: motherfucking LaForge,
4: yeah, son! Thank you very much. I love um, LeVar from Burton from
3: Reading Rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that was my first thing. I was thinking,
4: like, LeVar Burton from Reading Rainbow, but wearing you know, glasses. A it's in that book. Oh, yeah, was so good. And, and in terms of gender equality, I would like my um sixth random crewmate to be Kate Mara, just because, because she's, she's adorable and then she'd be fun to have around. Good pick. Yeah.
0: Which Which Kate Mara?
4: The, for, I was thinking specifically from House of Cards. Good pick. She's yeah. smart. Yeah. Things
0: on her toes. Yeah. Hopefully Kevin Spacey doesn't push her in front of a train. Oh, Kevin Spacey Spoiler would be...
4: Spoiler alert!
0: Uh, <laughs> that's like a year ago. Nobody cares.
4: I know. Kevin
0: Spacey would be a great bad guy in a sci-fi movie. Oh yeah, He, he could was.
2: be all
4: of our antagonists in our, in our <laughs> Starship cruise. Yeah,
0: yeah a-
2: alien would. John Doe. Yeah. 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 I like that very much. Well, thank you very much for that great gameplay, dear co-host. Dear listener... Who in cinema would you like to be on your crew if you were the captain of the ship? We would love to hear your manifest uh, via those magical social media means that we've already discussed so far in the show. But let's move on to the final thing with which we always conclude the show, and that is what's got us fired up this week in popular culture. And- Go ahead. And are you fired up?
4: Yes, I am. Uh, last week, I for, uh, neglected to include that I also saw the Weird Al concert when he came to Oklahoma City. It was fantastic. I enjoyed myself. And um, gosh, that man, he can put on a show. His shows are more like performances than like concerts. But um, costumes, everything was on point and And it's a great time. He played everything that he needed to play. I started watching Marin, Mark Maron show on Netflix. It's so good, right? It is so good. Um, it's a really an interesting. It almost feels more like a documentary. I know it's like it's a TV show, but it—I mean—his forays into talking about his podcast, it, it's—I don't know—it kind of hits home. Have I you watched like. Louis at all? Um, a little bit.
0: Louis even skews harder into that. Basically, is being this real? Kind of autobiographical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're both really great shows. I think Louis is probably stronger. Marin, I find myself laughing a little bit more. Um, yes. Louis, I find myself smiling and chuckling to myself a lot.
4: Right. Um, I recently, uh, went to a comic book store and I picked up the, uh, first edition of Fight Club 2, Palinex. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I Don't have it. about this. It is really good. Um, his foray into graphic novels and, um, I'm sure they're gonna have, like, a giant compendium book, which is what Dalton told me he's waiting for. Yep. Um, which is smart. I just kind of bought it on an impulse buy. It was, it was, it was great. I'm so excited to see if he continues to um, pursue this mode of conveying stories through um, graphic retellings and last but not least um, I bought a guitar and I'm going to learn how to play it and I'm really fired up about that that's basically all I can think about right now so um, I'm sure that there will be an opportunity that I will talk about for you guys to hear me play eventually once I know exactly what I'm doing but that's about all I got
2: sister's got a sweet guitar it's pretty cool I'm not going to lie thank you very much Miss Alexander Bohannon Mr. Dalton Stewart, are you fired up this week?
0: I am. Um, I checked out the first two installments of the uh, VHS uh, series. Yeah, uh, the horror anthology series. How
2: about the Porn Glasses episode?
4: Porn. Glasses. Porn
0: Glasses. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you, so you've seen the first? Oh, I've seen both of them. You've seen both of them. They're good, right? Yeah, I like them. I like them a lot. Uh, they're a lot of fun. I don't know how great they are, but they're definitely good. I mean,
4: Porn Glasses. Y- yes. <laughs> y- y- you didn't tell me about that. I'll one. tell
0: you about it later. Um, I mean, you've got the likes of Adam Wingard and Ty West, who we're both big fans of on this show. You've also got Gareth Evans, the director of The Raid, directing a segment in uh, Part 2. Joe Swanberg is in one of them, and I think he also directed the one he's in, I can't remember. Uh, But a lot of names in Mumblecore and Mumble Gore in those um, films, directing segments and in them. Uh, I I really have been kind of on a a low-budget horror kick lately, uh, particularly made by... Made by guys who know what they're doing. Uh, well, guys and girls kn- who know what they're doing. you know I, I don't like low budget horror you know people who are like well, we can make this on the cheap. I'm talking quality low budget horror. Um, yeah. so but the VHS films, I think they're a lot of fun. they rely a little bit too much on violence for their shock a little bit um, particularly in part two. Um, I think that's, that's accurate. Yeah, and there are things it. in part two that are really good. Um, safe The segment Safe Haven that Gareth Evans directs yes. leans on violence a little too hard, but is amazing.
2: There are high points and low points overall, I Well,
0: think. I think in any anthology series you have that problem. Uh, we talked about that way, way, way back when we discussed Creepshow. Um, yeah. Anthologies have highs and lows. I think the standout segments of all of them are the ghost eyeball implant and yes. and the cult and part two. Those are the high points for that one. I think in the first one, the um, the uh, 1999 Halloween mm-hmm. and. Um that's definitely the best one in that well,
2: one. Well, the vampire porn glasses yeah. is disturbing. I was going to say those disturbing.
0: two. The, the vampire porn glasses and the, uh, the guy dressed as a nanny cam going to Halloween in 1999. Yeah. I think those are the standouts of, of that. So they're both on Netflix. I've heard viral kind of sucks. So I did not watch. Seen it yet. I didn't bother to watch VHS viral. I heard it's very not good. Uh, but the first two are pretty solid. I also checked out a uh, low-budget sci-fi film called Coherence. Uh, that's streaming right now on Amazon Prime that, Saw that stars Nicholas Brendan, Who we mentioned earlier having some career difficulties uh, Kind of pokes fun at himself He plays an actor who was on a Television show in the 90's uh, That was pretty successful and hasn't had much work Since then. How does he find his motivation for that? Right? Well his character in this film also has some Alcohol problems so I, I think Really he... Uh, I, I don't know if he was Friends with the director. I feel like there is a lot Of autobiographical acting going on for him The movie as a whole is very good I don't want to get too much into what happens. Let's just say a comment goes overhead during a dinner party and very strange things start to happen. Um, Yeah, it's really good. Okay. I liked it a lot. It sounds very interesting. I'm in. I liked it a lot. Uh, Technically, it's a 2013 release because that's when it had its film festival debut. Uh, But most people consider it a 2014 release. I heard about it because it was on some best of 2014 lists. And I would agree. I think it's a very good movie. I think you should all check it out. Um, And that's really what I'm excited about this week Also Alex mentioned last week That Cartoon Network and Hulu just cemented a deal Um, I've been kind of checking that out They've got everything Everything. They've got it all It's it's amazing I mean I I don't know how much money got spent in that deal But if there's anything that's ever been on Cartoon Network Adult Swim or otherwise that you want to check out You should do that right now
2: Because it's on Hulu Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I have only one thing about which I am fired, and that is um, your friend and mine, Nicholas Winding Refn, is uh, getting back in the director's chair, and he is working on another thriller project as a follow-up to um, Only God Forgives. Wait, a sequel or – No, just just a follow-up. Okay, Okay. Follow-up in that sequentially. It's next. Gotcha. Um, Just talking about time. God, I hope it's better than Only God Forgives. Uh, Well, uh, me too. Me too. And although I didn't hate it, I didn't love it, but he's got Keanu Reeves – as his leading man. Yes! Uh, and uh, so I'm thinking Keanu and uh, what Refn together, that is a recipe for gold. And I'm very, very excited to be watching this with bated breath. I'm sure it's going to be at least two years before it actually is released, and I'm sure it's going to be a small release.
0: Fingers crossed for really amazing fight scenes.
2: Uh, <laughs> I think there's a good chance of that.
0: I mean, why would you cast Keanu if you weren't? If
2: yeah, you were if amazed. I want to make my forecast, I, I, I think there is a, a 90% chance of showers in the morning, and uh, Keanu Reeves uh, definitely kicking the stew out of a lot of bad guys and it's gonna or good guys because he might be the bad guy Who knows? oh yeah and uh good times did you see all. the
3: trailer
0: for um that movie he's doing with eli Roth? i did i can't remember what it's called i i don't
2: either it looks good though it does look good it does look very intriguing chocolate with sprinkles <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny line it's uh, so keanu right that's uh, so, so good speaking times. of keanu
0: that point break trailer's out mm-hmm. it's fucking awful yeah it's a bad trailer I'm not excited. The tagline the only law that matters is gravity. No.
2: Womp, womp, womp. I'm out. Well, enough of this foolishness, dear listener. Thanks for listening. Next week, it's a host pick. I am the host that gets to do the picking. Oh, God. And I have done. I am known as sort of the surrealist art house guy here on the show, and so I have to think of the most surreal thing yeah, I could yeah, do. Yeah, Dustin
0: takes advantage of the fact that host picks do not adhere to our normal formula. You're allowed to pick things that would be discussed in a film studies course, and
2: yeah, Dustin takes full advantage of that. And, and one thing that is a primary tenet of surrealism is um, sort of absurd juxtaposition. And so next to my other picks, I now place, in absurd juxtaposition, Goldie Hawn, Bruce Willis... Meryl Streep in Death Becomes Her.
0: Oh my god.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes. I remember watching this movie yes. on P and when I was like <laughs> twelve with my mom. I heard a slow clap from Arthur Gordon. <laughs> And uh, that makes me happy. I haven't seen it in a really, really yeah. long time. Is that streaming right now? It is, it is not, but I have, uh, I have a copy for you all. and, okay. and oh, Because good. I am a good guy. Awesome. And so uh, good times will be had by all Dear listeners. Take a look at Death Becomes Her and uh, get ready for some <laughs> analysis. In the meantime, take a look at some films and have a good conversation because that's what really makes the movies worthwhile. And as I said earlier, they teach us how to be better human beings. Until uh, we are back with you again, we'll see you next time.
1: i living in the and you know that I'm a cancer of love? Let me tell you people that I've found a new way, and I'm tired of all this talk about love. And the same old soul in a new set of words about the good and the bad and the poor. And the times keep on changing, so I'm keeping on top of every bad cat who walks to my door. Thank